Grace, mercy, and peace be yours today from our God and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the strongest human biological desires is to sustain life. When, for instance, babies are born, the very first thing they do when they are put back to the, their mothers, they attach to their breast and start eating. Even as we get older, we understand the strong craving desire for food, right? It usually starts bothering us around 10 p.m. and it's so powerful that we cannot fight it but open the fridge and start eating. And as we grow older, there are a lot of other things that we strive for and pursue and have a passion for, and many of them are positive and can be used for good, but many of them can also go wrong and literally destroy our life. Listen to these examples from the Bible. Lucifer was God's most glorious creation, but he had one consuming ambition. He had a passion that was really a driving force within his mind. In Isaiah 14, 13, he says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne about the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend about the highest of the clouds. I will be like the most high. His ambition was to be like God. He was hungry for power. But God said to him, You shall be brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. And then there was Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the greatest of all the world empires who ruled the great dominion of men. And he had a strong desire that is described in Daniel 4.30, where he said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? If Lucifer was power-hungry, then this guy was praise-hungry. He wanted to be famous, a celebrity, a person who would be admired, and hear what God said to him. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. Now, let me mention one more individual in Luke 12. We meet a rich man who, after an abundant harvest, said to himself, What shall I do? For I have no place to stow my crops. And he came up with this idea. I will tear my barns down and build larger ones, and then I will store all my grain and my goods. <clears throat> he wasn't about to share them with anybody. He was just going to pile them up. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have plenty of goods laid up for many years. So relax, eat, drink, and be merry. He had ambition. He was possession hungry. And you know what God said to him? He called him fool. This night your soul is required from you. 
and the things you have prepared, who will they be? Now, please understand that there is nothing wrong with ambition, with passion, or with a resolute drive. Nothing wrong with that if it's for the right thing. And you say, what is the right thing? In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says about one very strong desire of man. He says, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, this is a strong statement, beloved, and we cannot fully comprehend it because our modern society has never suffered from the lack of basics that we need in order to sustain this life. When we think of hunger, we mean it's one o'clock and we are used to eating at 12.15 and we are hungry. We don't know what it means to strive like many of our older members who were forced to leave their homes after the World War II and had no food for months. And we've never been really thirsty. Maybe when uh, we have gone out and run around a little bit or worked in the garden, we got thirsty. But we don't know what is to be in desperate need of water for days. Now, the Greek verbs that Jesus uses here to describe these two desires are very powerful. Paintes means to be needy. It has the idea of a deep hunger, and the word dipsa means to suffer thirst. And both words express a continuing process of hungering and thirsting, and this hunger and thirst is increased in every act of being satisfied. In our text, this describes a life of a person who once tasted the goodness and love and mercy and righteousness of God, and you know what? Cannot live without that anymore. Let me illustrate. Moses had seen God many times. He met him in the wilderness, in the burning bush, and he saw God's hand in the miracles in Egypt when he came to free God's people. He saw God as he parted the Red Sea. And then God took him up in the mountain, gave him the law, and showed him his glory. That was so amazing that when Moses came down, he was lit up. And then there is a story as he, in obedience to God's command, built a tent of meeting. When it was completed, God entered into that place. And then Moses came in and said to God again, I want to see your glory. You see? This is the character of son of the kingdom. He is never satisfied for God. He always wants to be in his closeness and in presence. He always wants to be where God is. And then David, the man after God's own heart, who walked in close communion with God and who wrote in the Psalms, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. He had known God. God had protected him and cared for him and guided him. This man in Psalm 63 says, O God, you are my God. And then he doesn't stop there, but continues, Earnestly I seek you. My spirit thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. See, he's saying that his hunger and thirst for God never diminishes. 
Or do you remember the Apostle Paul? He met Jesus on the road to Damascus where he had a vision of, of him and later experienced amazing things with God. He was called up into the third heaven to see things too wonderful to behold. And this Paul cries out in Philippians 3.10, Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He longed to be in Christ and with Christ all the time. You know, there are many people who will tell you, I believe in God. I'm spiritual, but I don't want to get too much into it. And I always think, well, you really don't know what Jesus offers. You've never really experienced fulfillment that God brings into someone's life because you don't hunger and thirst for his righteousness. In Luke 1.53, the Bible says about God, he has fulfilled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. See how nicely this verse falls into Beatitudes. If you are poor in spirit and mourn over your sins, and you are humble, you will be satisfied with his righteousness. But if you think you are rich and you can get everything you need by yourself, and you use God only for your own personal benefit, you will live empty and never be satisfied in this life. Amos said to that said uh, to people that people in this world pan for the dust of the earth. That's pretty stupid, but that's exactly what they do. They chase for happiness and believe that they can even create it. You know what always amazes me? The number of amusement parks we have in our society, all those Disneylands and Wonderlands and who knows what else, and all those crazy things people are willing to do just to keep themselves entertained and happy. They are like a man with a deadly disease who just wants to be relieved of his pain and doesn't care about his real condition. You see, the world has a disease, but it wants to eliminate a pain with happiness. Friends, let me tell you this. Happiness is a byproduct of your faith. Again, happiness is a byproduct of your faith. Happy are those who hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. The only real happiness in life is to be right with God. That's it. And that points us as two things, to our salvation and to our sanctification. So let me explain these two very important words. Maybe they sound a little bit complicated. So let me talk about first about salvation that God offers to us. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, person recognizes his sin, his rebellion. He sees himself separated from a holy God, that he is broken and desires to have his relationship with God restored. He wants forgiveness and hungers and thirst after the righteousness that comes in salvation. It is a desire to be free from sin, its power, its presence, and its penalty. And that's what initiates salvation. So if you want to be happy, then hunger for some salvation. Hunger to have the blood of Christ cleanse your sin. 
Hunger to have the righteousness of Christ applied to you. Hunger to have your sin forgiven. Only when a man abandons all attempts to, of saving himself and uh, beings to, begins to hunger for salvation that comes from God, only then he's going to know happiness. This is where the Jews, you see, were hung up. They were trying to gain their own salvation by their own works. They were saying, we are filled up with righteousness. To them, holiness was a conformity to rules. It was an external thing. But it wasn't enough. That's why Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Until you are flat on your back, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you will know what is to be. You don't know. You will never know what is to be happy. See, Jesus in the Beatitudes took the external, stripped it away, and forced us to look at the inside. And once you get saved, then you hunger and thirst for sanctification, for an increasing holiness. Beloved, I don't know how to express this as strongly as I feel it. I hope in your life there is this hunger that never stops, the desire to be more and more like Christ, that you never get to the place where you have arrived. You know, the most dangerous attitude of Christians is when they say, I once received Christ and now it's all right. I'm saved and go to heaven and it doesn't really matter how I live. Listen, sons and daughters of kingdom never stop hungering for righteousness. Paul says in Philippians 1.9, I pray that your love may abound in more and more. See, you are not done. No matter how much you love, you ought to love more. No matter how much you pray, you can pray more. No matter how much you obey, you ought to obey even more. This should be a constant desire of your spirit. Now, let me tell you what the result of this attitude is. Jesus says, they will be what? Satisfied. Isn't this a fabulous paradox? You hunger and thirst and you are satisfied. In, but in fact, in, in our life, it's never true. We are never truly, fully satisfied when we eat and drink. And uh, it means even in a time when we eat and drink some good food. Let me explain it to you this way. My wife is a great baker and I'm always so satisfied when I eat what she prepares, but I always want more because the taste and the fulfillment and the satisfaction experience after I eat everything. And so I'm satisfied, but unsatisfied in the same time. And so it is with real righteousness. We are filled and the feeling is so sweet and so rich and so full that there is more that we desire. Okay, now, how do you know if you are hungering and thirsting after righteousness? First, ask a question. Are you dissatisfied with yourself? Do you find yourself in Romans 7 all the time saying, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Do you feel a constant pain always falling short? 
Because only if you recognize your poor situation and how much you are starving and how much you hate being filled with the trash of this world, only then you start searching for some real good food that only God offers to you. Second, does external things satisfy you? Do you feel like you have to always buy some new things in order to be happy, but when you have get them, you lose that happiness? Listen, a hunger for righteousness cannot be satisfied with some stuff. You can bring a hungry man flowers, or you can play a thirsty man a beautiful music, but he won't care because all he wants is food and drink. And one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness will not and cannot be satisfied with anything else but God. And let me ask another question. Do you have a great appetite for the Word of God? Because that is our daily food, right? Jeremiah said, Your word I found and I ate it. If you are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, you will have such an appetite for the word that you will devour it. So take your Bible and read it, study it, have it always close to you. My fourth question. Are the things of God sweet to you? Some of you are going to understand what I want to say, and it's very beautiful. Proverbs 27.7 To the hungry soul... Every bitter thing is sweet. Did you get it? To the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You know, I can tell somebody is hungering and thirsting after righteousness because when some devastation come to their life, they are filled and satisfied because they know God is with them. Did you get that? There are some people who rejoice only when good things happen to them and they always ask for good, but when tough things happen, they don't like it. Listen, some of us know what is it to go through deep trials. Some of us know what it is to have pain and anxiety and burdens and troubles. And you know something? I can tell you from my personal experience, in the midst of those things, it is as sweet as the good times because to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Finally, if you hunger and thirst unconditionally, if you really hunger and thirst after righteousness, it will be unconditional. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you remember the rich younger ruler who came and said, well, I want to know how I can enter the kingdom. And the Lord said, really? Are you willing to sell all you have and give it to the poor? No. He was hungry, but his hunger was conditional, and he never was filled. What about yours? Do you say, oh, I want Christ and my sin? I want Christ and my pride. I want Christ and my illicit relationship. I want Christ and my lying in my business. I want Christ and my materialism. I want Christ and... If you think like that, that you are not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. A hungry man does not want food and new suit. A thirsty man does not want drink a new pair of shoes. He cannot care less about those things. Just give him the food 
and the water. My friends, in John 6, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Only in Jesus Christ you can find a full satisfaction and fulfillment of your life. Only he can satisfy your need for eternal life. He is the eternal bread that came from heaven to end your starvation for God's righteousness. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us in your word today. And thank you for how the Holy Spirit takes these truths and applies them to our lives. Lord, make us those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if today there are some who have never hungered and thirsted for salvation, may this be that time. May they be broken in spirit and in meekness. They may seek the righteousness that you alone can give and know that without it, no man can see God. And Father, help us to live with hungry hearts and to know all that there is to know, to be all that there is to be until finally we are like Christ when we see him face to face. We give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen.